it's so great because I will never forget kindergarten roundup. First time you're meeting everybody, going to kinder, a little kid pointed at Carson and said, what's that? Because how many kindergartners have seen a child in a wheelchair? Right. The parents immediately mortified, hit the kid's hand and were like, no, don't say anything. And I was like, no, like, please, please ask, please stop. And Carson looks at him, he goes, it's Carson. Oh, <laughs> he fully was like, it's Carson. Like, obviously I'm me. Who I need to be. Hey, Mom Nation, welcome to our From the Heart podcast, where we share inspirational stories, useful information, and we discuss a wide variety of women-related topics. While you're listening to this episode on your favorite podcast platform, please subscribe to our channel and rate us so that we can get this information out to the moms that need to hear it. If you'd like to join the conversation, we are at Mom Nation USA. That's our handle on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey y'all, Katie here, founder of Mom Nation and owner and operator of Team Evo AZ at EXP Realty, your go-to gal for anything real estate in the state of Arizona. I am the sponsor of today's show. I will link my page and information in the show notes so you can quickly and easily get in touch with me should you need anything real estate, any advice, or maybe you're looking to get into the business. I sure hope you enjoy today's show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Mom Nation, it is Real Estate Katie, your founder, and we are back with another episode of From the Heart, where we talk through all sorts of things, women-related topics, mom-related topics, things that touch the heart, inspirational stories, all of that kind of stuff. Again, I am your founder, and I am so, so excited to be here with our amazing guest, Alyssa. How are you today? I am good. How are you? Doing wonderful. So, so glad to have you here. And before we get started, Alyssa, I just wanted to say one quick little thing about a very, very good friend of mine. Her name is Sarah Michelle. And Sarah helps people book anything and everything local in the USA or international as far as travel is concerned. So she's your girl. You want to go to Disney? You want to go to the Disney cruise? It's like, can you tell I want to go to Disney? Anything that needs a ticket or a reservation, Sarah can help you. Check her out on Facebook and she's on Instagram as well. That is Travel with Sarah Michelle. She's nationwide, by the way. So I know oftentimes I talk about my friends and oftentimes they are Arizona based, but Sarah is not. So definitely check her out. If you need to travel, if you need to get your vacation on, she is your girl. You need to get your vacation on, Alyssa? Who doesn't? Let's be real. Like, even a weekend, like even a weekend away, like, yes, done. Exactly, exactly. Well, you have a lot on your plate. So I can absolutely understand your need for needing um, some mama time off and a vacation. So let's dive right into it. Tell us a bit about your story and what you are here to chat with us about today. Yeah, so I actually have um, two special needs kiddos. Um, A lot of times when you hear that, it's like, oh, a kiddo with ADHD and a kiddo with autism or whatever. But I actually have a kiddo with autism. So in kind of the cognitive camp, as well as a kiddo with a degenerative myopathy who uses a wheelchair full time. So I've got kind of a foot in in both camps. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Can you explain both? both of those things, just so that our listeners have a better understanding of kind of like what that means, what your kid deals with and, you know, what you need to support them through and that kind of thing. 
Yeah. So there's a saying with kids with autism that you meet one kid with autism, you've met one kid with autism. Each and every one of them are so unique and so special. And you can't say, you know, it used to be a thing where we'd say one's low functioning or high functioning, but really it's a spectrum. I mean, they can be great at one thing and and struggle with another. It's just, it's all unique to the kiddo. And Jackson at three years old was nonverbal. I mean, had two words and that was really about it. We had gotten a couple before that, but then at two, it was like mom and dad. And I think maybe no, which every kid knows that one, but everybody knows that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But around three, he was completely nonverbal, did not talk period. He had what was called echolalia. Really big word. It basically just means they parrot what they hear. So he didn't actually have a vocabulary, but if you said, hey, what did you do for your birthday? He would go, my birthday, just repeat it back to you. He wasn't actually answering. He didn't have that word in his vocabulary. He just parroted back to you. So he got diagnosed right around three and a half, shortly after we realized that he had autism. And it, it was definitely a unique experience. It was going through and at that preschool age where you're getting excited to just enroll them in school, it was, okay, now we've got to look at teachers and programs and what school he can go to. Because um, fun fact, not every school is equipped to deal with kids with autism. Yeah. Uh, that's actually one of the really great things about Arizona is that we do have a open enrollment state. And so if we don't like the school we're at, we can say, doesn't work out. We're going to, we're going to go over to the school over here. And so we ended up moving to a different school district and he goes not to our home school, which is literally 700 feet from my front door. But we actually drive a few miles down the road to go to a special school that has um, an autism program at their school. Gotcha. So how did you, can I take you back to, you were noticing that there were things that, you know, he wasn't hitting his milestones. Can I take you back yeah. to that moment when you were like, hey, you know, we need to get some further testing here. How did you decide what to do and what resources were available to you? So it kind of depends on how old your kiddo is based on the resources. But the milestones for us that we were kind of missing and a lot of the kind of common ones are, does your baby like eye contact? You know, a lot of babies, of course, when they're little, are just kind of looking around at the world around them. But when you're kind of engaging with them and tickling and doing all that fun stuff, they're looking at you. Like you remember those days of playing with your baby and then like looking at you. Um, but a baby with autism pretty typically won't look at you. It It's not that they don't want to. It's just the eye contact is not a thing that they enjoy doing. Mm. Um, that maintaining that eye contact smiling sometimes is pretty common that they won't smile a lot it's not that again nothing they're not happy like so Jackson is my oldest and he is so sweet and so caring but I always tell people in the nicest way he just doesn't care yeah so if you ask him you're like hey how was your day he's like great like he's not gonna ask you about your day he cares but he's like my day was great you asked me a question end of story yeah it's not his thing yeah And um, some other stuff is, do you remember when your kiddos were really little, they would go through those milestone checklists with you and they would go, is your kid sitting up? 
is your kid laughing? Is your kid crawling? And you're like, oh yeah, check, done, easy. Um, and there are a couple questions like, does your child play with others? And that question is so important, not because they're engaging, like are they developing appropriate social behaviors, but there's something called parallel play, which means you set two kiddos down next to each other. And as they get older, they will start to play with each other. Like when they're babies, they might kind of grab a little bit, but kids will naturally start to kind of turn towards each other and engage with each other. A kiddo with autism can typically be good. They're like, no, I'm doing my thing. I'm sitting right here. And so they call it parallel play because they continue to play just next to the person. They don't engage with them at all. And so the great thing is, is that if you notice these kind of traits in your child before they turn three, a lot of states, Arizona included, has what they call an early intervention program. So here in Arizona, they call it AZIP. And so you contact them. It's really great. It's at no cost to the parent. And they actually come out to your house, talk with you, talk with your kiddo, and kind of feel what's going on and how they can help you. And that can mean speech therapy. That can mean physical therapy. That can mean occupational therapy. Whatever you need, they are there to help you with. It's a really great resource. That's amazing. And so... And I'm sorry if I missed it. Did you say that there's a cost associated with that or is that free? No, it is free. It's funded by the state of Arizona. So wow. it's at no cost to the parent. Wow. That's awesome. And I know that would be helpful for so many of us out there. So, yes. so you started to notice these things. Yes. Now I will say after three, it does become a little bit more difficult. So if you don't notice it until your kid's a little bit older, um, let's say they're around five years old when you're like, hey, I think we might have some traits here that we should get looked at. It becomes vastly harder. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, the state is not set up as nicely. It is not the same as, hey, your kiddo is, you know, two years old. We want to get them the help. Now that they're over three, five years old, it's all on mom and dad. It's all on grandparent. It's all on whoever that adult figure is to figure out the system to help their kids. Mm. So there are two programs in the state of Arizona. Uh, The first one is called DDD. It's the Department of Developmental Disabilities. And they are kind of the gatekeeper for every service that you need if you don't want to pay out of pocket. Hmm. And so a lot of people might have great insurance and can get their kiddo services through that but not everyone's in that boat. That's true. I mean, how many single parents or how many self-employed parents? I mean, I, like I grew up, I was very fortunate. I had Blue Cross Blue Shield as a child. That insurance company, it was great. You just went to whoever doctor and didn't really care about it. But I don't have that luxury of giving my kid that insurance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So going through insurance to pay for things, it was like, Here's your copay. Here's your deductible. Here's, you know, and it just kept building. Yeah. So you apply for this program called DDD, Department of Developmental Disabilities. That is a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Say that five times fast. (laughs) Right? Oh, and we get more acronyms. It gets worse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm taking notes. Um, So you apply for them. And when you apply for them, You also, in tangent, have to apply for another program called Alltax, 
which is Arizona Long-Term Care Cost Containment System. Again, all the acronyms, like get fluent. <laughs> so you apply for them and without each other, they're worthless. So all tax is insurance. So the insurance is a great piece, but if you don't apply and get the insurance, DDD, completely worthless. They won't pay for anything. They won't do anything. They become what they call a case manager, mm. which means that every 90 days you check in with them about your child, but they don't provide any services. Oh. So I, I tell people, if you don't get all text, like if you don't apply for that, don't, don't waste it. your time. Don't sit on a phone call for an hour just to talk about your kid every 90 days. Like, yeah. not that they're not amazing, but that's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So all text is, um, a lot of people know what access is in Arizona. Yes. All text is basically access for people with disabilities. Like it's great insurance covers everything and it pays for all of the therapies that kids with disabilities need. So it pays for feeding therapies, occupational therapy, speech, it's a therapy, they cover it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you kind of got connected and they helped you with testing and sort of guidance and, and that, that is the way so you got on I that will actually, I will let you in on a somewhat of a secret. Ooh, we like secrets here. <laughs> yes. Okay. We have to keep this, you know, between us and, and our viewers. We can't, we can't be sharing this to, you know, the powers that be. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fun fact. If you have a child who, like in my case, Jackson was around three, three and a half, right in there. I took him in to get testing done to enroll him in preschool because I knew he would qualify under what would they considered a developmental delay. So I took him in and got him tested and they brought back the paperwork and said, uh, he's delayed. We think he speaks fine. We think he can do writing. Like he felt like he's fine. Mild delay. Wow. And as a parent, you have a right to get an independent evaluation done, which means the state will pay for your child to go to a state certified psychologist for testing. Ooh. Yes. So that was actually how I got Jackson diagnosed with autism was when they came back with this IEP, I said, no, I disagree. And I'm exercising my right to, they call it an IEE. It's independent evaluation something, but you can exercise that right and go and the school pays for it a state certified psychologist to get your child diagnosed. Oh, wow. Good to know. Yes. Yeah, little known secret. They don't, they don't like to advertise it. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But it, it's a great resource. And honestly, it's a great thing to know about because a lot of times when you go to a school and you get those meetings and they're like, Hey, your kid looks fine. Everything's great. And you're like, no, I know my child. They need help with speech. They need help with handwriting. And they tend to kind of try and wash that away and say, oh, no, they're fine. They're just a little delayed. And you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah. So, well, great. So then you were able to get um, a lot of assistance for, um, you know, the state paid for is basically what I'm trying to say. 
So yes. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and really, really helpful. Um, so let's switch gears over to child number two. Child number two, Carson. So Carson is, I would say Jackson was my ease into parenthood. Jackson didn't fuss a lot. Jackson didn't cry. He was, he was good. I mean, looking back, you're like, oh, that's typical kind of autism traits that he wasn't really fussy, but you know what? It was an ease into parenthood. And then I got Carson. <laughs> um, so I like to joke that Carson, so I am six foot one, quite tall. Um, Carson is all of my sass and all of my like quirky sarcasm, but condensed down into a tiny little body. <laughs> and so it's just hyper condensed and it just comes out in random spurts. <laughs> <laughs> it's your mini me, in other words. Oh, it's mini me, but with no filter. Like he has asked me like a couple, like, is that what you're wearing? And I'm like, thank you. But yes, this is what I'm wearing. <laughs> and if I get a new hairstyle, he's like, what? I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he's, he is quite a sassy child. Um, so when he was born, I knew that my odds for autism were increased because I had one child with autism. So I was looking at Carson and I'm like, are you making eye contact with me right now? Like, look at me. Like, okay, we got eye contact. Great. <laughs> and then it was, okay, we're smiling. Great. We're smiling. Are we playing with friends? Awesome. That, that was my concern. I was so focused on those mental milestones and cognitive milestones that he was hitting those. And I'm like, awesome. I got nothing to worry about. Why would I worry about anything? And then one day, I got a Facebook time hop. Do you remember those? When it would yes. be like, hey, it was the days before memories. We had time hops. <laughs> <laughs> and it showed a picture of my older child walking up the stairs, holding a giant stuffed animal, like giant. And I realized Carson couldn't walk up the stairs, period. Like, let alone holding a giant stuffed animal, like he can't walk upstairs. Oh. And so I reached out at the time, Jackson had a physical therapist. So it was a great thing. Um, and I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, do you mind going over some of the milestones of me? Because I'm thinking we missed one or two. <laughs> and whenever I brought Carson into the doctor to get seen, it was always, I called him my limp noodle because he was so flexible and just kind of like, you know, go with the flow and Fendi and um he met his milestones like he could crawl it was just a little late he could stand it was just a little late like nothing was too crazy mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it was he can't jump he can't run he can't hold one foot off the ground he can't walk upstairs like and he was only two and you're like wait a minute I, I have missed some stats, you know, I was so focused on the cognitive that physical milestones never crossed my mind as something to worry about. Gotcha. And so luckily I had been through the system. So I knew how to get him enrolled in that early intervention program. So I got him enrolled in the early intervention program, the AZIP and the physical therapist total blessing in our life. Her name was Jill. Never forget her. She was, you know, doing exercises with Carson. She goes, you know, I cannot tell you what to do. 
Like I legally, I cannot. She goes, but if this was my son, I would take him to see a neurologist because this does not present like just low muscle tone. This is more than that. Hmm. And so it started, it, that started our journey. Like that lone conversation with that physical therapist changed the trajectory of how things happened. And so it started, we went to a neurologist at Phoenix Children's and they started with blood work. They started, you know, kind of the basic things. Like, does he have cerebral palsy? Does he have, you know, kind of the basic stuff that they go through the checklist? Does he have right. epilepsy? You know, the basics. And nothing was coming up. So they did what's called an EMG, big fancy acronym. Basically what it means is they, for lack of better terms, they electrocute your muscles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and because kids are little and their pain tolerance is nowhere near what an adult is, they actually put them under for this. So they put the, your kid out under and then they put small electrodes into your muscles and put an electric current through them to see how they react. Mm -hmm. um, adults have had it done and they're like, it's not pleasant. So you, you can know, imagine. I've had it. Oh, it's yeah. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine on a two-year-old, they, they put them under. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see why. Um, so that, that was hard. I have never paced a hallway more than the first time my kid like was in a hospital. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so they got the results back and they're like, well, it's inconclusive. <laughs> they're like, it was delayed, but it wasn't definite like muscle degeneration. So we have to keep going and figure out what else is wrong. <laughs> oh boy. And I'm like, oh, this, this is, this is great. So we keep going and it takes about a year and we kind of, we see one neurologist and then we see another one who he goes, you know, I have one other kiddo who kind of presents with the same symptoms. And he goes, what insurance do you have? And I'm like, we have state insurance, you know, both the kids are, are on it. And he goes, that's actually great because this test at the moment is $10,000. Oh my. I don't have that kind of money. I would love to have that kind of money, but I do not have that kind of money. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people do. No, let alone the, let's just, and it was a shot in the dark. Like it wasn't a, Hey, if you do this test, you'll for sure get answers. Like this is just a shot in the dark, wild chance. Let's see if this is the problem. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, $10,000 at a maybe, like yeah. it, it's a big risk. And, but like I said, luckily we had the insurance that would cover it and it came back as it's called recessive RYR1. Um, basically his muscle protein doesn't work. Oh. Um, there are four people in the state of Arizona that have it. Wow. It, we get to be in that fun, rare category. So it's one of those things that when you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you know, Mark, what's wrong with your kiddo? And you're like, all right, do you have a blank space? I need an other line here. Yeah. Um, so that, and talking to the doctor, it was like with this disease, because it's so rare, it's so unknown. Um, there are a couple different trajectories that could happen. Kiddo could be just fine. 
it could be non-presenting, which means they won't have any symptoms. They have it. You might just be really flexible during the circus. Like you could be good. <laughs> um, he could kind of steady out where he reaches a certain progression and then that's just where he maintains. Um, or it could be degenerative. And let me tell you, there is not a parenting book in the world that prepares you for the word degenerative yeah. when it's said about your own child. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I wish there was. I wish there was a chapter that, you know, was like, hey, it's gonna it's gonna get hard. Like it's stuff's gonna suck, but sitting in an appointment, holding your child and having a doctor say degenerative. It's the worst thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> so scary. So, I mean, obviously on the scale of things that, that can't go wrong with a kid, degenerative isn't the end of the world. Like it's, it's manageable, but just that, that weight that sits just like right on top of your chest of, you don't know. Um, so we had, we had a few years of we made a little progress or we would kind of plateau, nothing really changed. Um, but about nine months ago, we had our first appointment with our doctor where he said, from this point on, it's a downward trajectory. It will be degenerative from now on. Well, so, so what kinds of things is like day in the life, like what kinds of things does he experience? What do you experience? Yeah, so damn life. Um, it's it's interesting. So Carson is can somewhat walk. So at home he can walk around. It's it's a very cute walk. Um, he his toes go a little bit in, and he has what I call a Buddha belly. I think it's the cutest Aww. thing ever. <laughs> um, because because he's trying to compensate for how he stands. He likes to do you know when your kid is a baby and they stick their stomach out when they walk. Mm-hmm. that's how he walks uh, he likes to kind of put his back his shoulders back and kind of stick his stomach out to kind of you know even kilter himself and um so at home he does walk most days until he gets too fatigued and unfortunately there's no warning sign for when he's going to become fatigued um he will be walking and then his legs will just give out from under him and he will collapse on the floor so he doesn't even know no no there's there's no warning luckily we've gotten to the point now so he's six now um and we've gotten to the point where we can kind of see or we know his days well enough that like hey today you had physical therapy and you had you know a long day maybe we use our chair a little bit more around the house kind of thing um but so he's got his wheelchair he we actually got a power chair this year he had been in a in a manual wheelchair for a while but the problem is that when you have weak muscles, they don't just affect the legs. It also affects your arms. Right. Right. <laughs> so trying to get a kiddo who can't walk a whole day at school to wheel himself around a whole day at school, you're running into the same problem. Yeah. So we've modified a lot of our house to where he can get to things. So like his clothes are on a lower rack in the closet. The drawers are a little bit lower. Um, we don't have any carpet anywhere in our entire house because we had carpet and we had the manual chair. I've never had to use a manual chair and carpet, but seeing him do it, 
it's near impossible. Yeah. So we have ramps. We have multiple ramps in our home. We have one to get out to the yard, one to get to the garage, which we had to pay for the one in the backyard because the state will only provide you with one ramp because yeah, they're like, safety is not our problem. That's yours. Your responsibility. Yeah. They're like, we got him a point into the house. That's all we have to do. (laughs) And I'm like, well, like, what if it's a fire? What if he wants to go anywhere else in the house? Like, that, that's not helpful. Yeah, and that's a really great point. What if there's an emergency and that only area that he can get out of is unavailable? Yeah, and their big thing is safety is the parental figure's, like, problem. Like, they have to they have to provide safety for their children. Wow. And I'm like, what if you I get it, I do. Yeah, that's the thing. And I'm like, yes, I understand that safety, like I'm the parent, of course, safety is my concern, but also do you know how much a ramp is? Yeah. <laughs> like one ramp is almost $500. Dang. Yeah. And that's just one door. Like, I don't know about you, but my house has four exterior doors. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's pretty common to at least have two. Like, Almost everyone has two inches into a house. Um, so we we have a ramp that gets us out to the car. I have a minivan, but again, state funding, I don't have a way to get him and his wheelchair into the minivan. So I pick him up, load him into the minivan because he can't get in on his own. And we have a small enough power chair that I actually lift it and put it into the back of my minivan every day. <laughs> wow. So you're getting muscles. I mean, it's a 72 pound wheelchair in and out of the car multiple times a day. I'm like, I think I do my weightlifting. Like, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You should program your iWatch when you're going to do that. So you get the credit right? for the workout. <laughs> like wheelchair in and out of the car. I'm loading up the kiddo in and out of the car. I'm like, I, I think that's my cardio. Like I get the cardio, I get the weightlifting. I'm good. You're all set. Two birds, one stone. <laughs> right? That's all we need to do. Like forget working out. Just have a kid with a wheelchair. It's fine. Exactly. Exactly. So 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 that's kind of day in the life. What about school? School is really interesting. Um school school's a bit of a battle sometimes you you want to think the best of your school that you send your kid in and they've got it like they know what your kiddo needs but it's not the case unfortunately um I have had to come in and do walkthroughs at the school and be like where is my kid supposed to wash his hands and they're like oh we have we have a sink over there and I'm like he can't reach the soap. He can't reach the water. Like, please explain to me how he's supposed to actually wash his hands there. Um, and it's little things like that, that the school just doesn't really think about. And it's okay. You need a modified workload for a kiddo in a wheelchair because he's going to get tired. He can't sit and do a handwriting assignment for half an hour in class. You've right. got 10 minutes or so that he can do that. Um, and at first grade, that's hard, you know, because first grade, they're learning how to write, they're learning how to read, they're doing all those things. And you can't, they have a program where they call it a scribe. And it means pretty much what it sounds like that uh, someone else can take notes for your kid, which 
high school, junior high, college, that's great. First grade when you're learning how to write, that that's not beneficial. It doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. No. So it's juggling that what can we do to modify his workload that he's still going to learn? He's still going to get the most out of school that he can, but also providing that safe environment for him as well. Like, can he get through a classroom? Because we had instances where we go into a classroom and he can't get more than two feet in the door. Mm. And it's like, you, you got to think about this, that you need a wider aisleway for a power chair, you know, and things like that. Well, and what about for like fire drills and, and safety issues? Do you run into any situations concerning that? Yeah. So we actually had to create a separate plan for him just for safety drills because we had to look at the reality and it's a horrible reality to think about an active shooter. Yeah. Um, let's say there's an active shooter at the school. He's in his wheelchair, which luckily goes pretty fast. So at least he's not just a sitting duck. Right. But the problem is their handicap buttons on the doors didn't work. Oh no. And I'm like, okay, let's be realistic about this. Children running to the door. My kid gets there. He can't open the door. Like, yes, you would love to think that the adult would be there. His, they call him a para, his one-to-one aide would be there. I was like, but here's the thing. She's a cool, his para is a female. She's an adult woman. She's a much larger target. Yeah. If something happens in an active shooter drill that she gets shot, what is my son supposed to do? He can't exit the building now. Yeah. And that kind of thing, because of security at the districts now, it has to go through district to reprogram the front door to be able to let him out. So he can go out. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a lot to think about. And did you, like, did this come naturally to you when school started? Did you know you had to think about all this stuff? Or was there some sort of resource or some sort of guidance that you were able to kind of connect with? So luckily, um, I have, I have a great best friend. She's the best in the world. Um, she, she's really great for something that I forget she can pick up the stock on. Mm -hmm. Um, but in this case, it was more of when we started school and he was in a power chair, I asked him one day about using the bathroom because turns out they wouldn't allow him to use any restroom in, in the school. They were making him only use the nurse's office for the bathroom. Why? Um, because he needs assistance. Oh, okay. And they wouldn't let his one-to-one aide help him. Oh, because she couldn't go into the little boy's room, basically? Mm-hmm. And I said, don't we background check our parents? Like, we background check them, we interview them, we hire them. If we hired a female to help my son and then he should be, they should be able to go into the restroom together, like clear out the room, say, Hey, we've got a kiddo that needs to come in. Like whatever that needs to be, do not make my six-year-old on the backside of the campus, wait to go to the bathroom until he gets in the school, down the school to the front office. Like, yeah. do you know any six-year-old that could hold it that long when they have to go? No, not any, not, not even me. I can't even do that. 
right? Like I walk in the door and I'm like, everybody move. I got to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. <laughs> you know how that goes. Right? A hundred percent. And so it started, it started with that. It started with my son being distressed because he couldn't go to the bathroom. Mm. And this is one of those really fortunate times that Carson is verbal. You know, so many parents with kiddos with physical disabilities, sometimes they aren't verbal. Right. And how would you know? Like, thank goodness he's able to tell me like, hey, mom, like, I can't go to the bathroom at school and it sucks. Mm. Yeah, that's really, really helpful that he and and it's helpful that he speaks up. So good job, mom, for teaching him (laughs) to, you know, speak up for himself when he needs things, because he's going to have that probably you know, he's going to need to do that for the rest of his life, most likely. Um, Unfortunately, and it's one of those things that it's such a different camp to be in. There are so many things that I never thought about as someone with two perfectly working legs. Mm -hmm. I never thought about how many times I walk up to a place and just open the door and walk in. Mm -hmm. Like we do that everywhere we go. We go to a restaurant, we just walk up to the door and open the door and walk in. And he can't do that. He can't walk up to a door, open a door and walk in. He can wheel up to a door, but he can't open it. Like mm-hmm. if there's no handicap button, he can't open it. He's not getting in. Yeah. Yeah. And we, there's actually a place that I had a huge complaint with. So we used to go to a, um, they do like prosthetics and orthopedic bracing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we would go to them every four to six months for a new ankle bracing and they did not have a handicap entrance. What? Right. <laughs> and I said, um, maybe I'm just missing the mark here, but you literally deal with people with missing limbs and you don't have a handicap entrance. And the lady looked at me and goes, well, you got in, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Me with my two arms and two legs that are both fairly, fu- I mean, yes, there's days where I trip a lot, but they're fairly functioning. Right, right. For the most part, like they were. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's amazing. And anytime I go out to a place that has a handicap button, I actually will test them. Like even if Carson isn't with me, I will go and I will test them. And if they don't work, I make it a point to go to a manager and be like, hey, just want you to know your handicap button isn't working. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if we all did that, then maybe more of these places would have more operational, more, more, more functionality for those that need it. Um, but, you know, like we were kind of saying a little bit before we hopped on, people don't think about that. And like you'd mentioned, you know, you even you don't because you've got, you know, you don't always aren't, aren't always thinking about that either because you've got two fully functioning arms and legs and um, you know, what other things around in public places, things like that are kind of like that. Like you had mentioned ramps, you had mentioned um, handicap buttons that don't work. (laughs) Um, You know, what's funny is widths of aisle. So, and I do it all the time too. Like if you're going down a grocery aisle, And sometimes you'll think to yourself, like, man, this is kind of snug. Like, you know, you're going down and you and the cart next to you are like this. And you're like, okay, I'm going to try and like get in the, get in the corner here. But then grocery stores set up the displays in the aisle. 
And to one person going by, no big deal. You veer around. But let's be honest, how many of us stop and are looking at something? Because we're grocery shopping. Of course, we're stopping looking at something. Right. But it's, it then completely blocks the aisle because by no fault of the shopper, but the grocery store, the way they set it up, it's like no one can get through. And the biggest thing is now I will admit that in a parking lot, we're always told to put our carts away. Mm-hmm. I won't even lie to you as a female. If it is after dark, I am not putting my cart away. I agree. I mean, there are certain times during broad daylight and at Target, I am in no danger. <laughs> I I am safe. I'm good. I'm six foot one. No one is is confronting this when I put my card away in the middle of the day. <laughs> but late at night, I am not putting my card away. I don't care how tall I am. I don't care how bright the hair is. Like, I, there's no way at 10 o'clock at night, I am putting my card away. It is just fine where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we do that kind of stuff in a store, like we just leave our cart in a random place. Cause like, Oh, you know, I'm, I didn't actually need it. I'm good. I can carry my stuff. It makes navigating so much harder because I have to navigate me and myself and my stuff. And then I've got the gaggle of people behind me I've got Jackson with me most of the time and Carson with me I already have to deal with the attention span of an eight-year-old it has nothing to do with autism it is an eight-year-old boy like we all know the attention span of a child is a child yeah I've got one of those myself and he is eight and his name's Jackson it's really funny oh, look at that <laughs> well you know you're navigating a grocery store you're already like okay focus like don't grab random things off the shelf we do not need more cereal like let, let's just let's just do this we got a job people yep yes then you throw in a six-year-old on a wheelchair now i mentioned an eight-year-old attention span six-year-old attention span you remember two years ago it's even worse yeah it is now imagine putting that behind a power chair like if he's looking in the wrong direction, do you have any things he has collided with over time? Oh my goodness. <laughs> he has, he's right over me. I, we were at a basketball game and he was not paying attention and just driving forward. Didn't see that I was stopped and full on ran into me. Ouch. That probably doesn't tickle either. Um, you know, I've got really tough shins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so navigating a store and all of a sudden you've got people leaving their carts, you've got the grocery store putting out displays and you're trying to navigate that as a mom, it's hard alone, let alone a kid in a wheelchair and trying to have them like, okay, so you need to go this way and you're going to need to cut around or it's like, I leave all my stuff and move some stuff so that way he can get through. It can be a mess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. And that's something that, you know, I would have never thought of not having experience with like, I got the experience with the short attention span, eight year olds, (laughs) I got you there, but, uh, (laughs) but, but having to navigate, I mean, truly a a little mini vehicle with a six-year-old behind the wheel, um, never thought (laughs) of the challenges that that would propose. So like, what kinds of things would you like to share with our audience, you know, um, that they can teach their children or even should know themselves as adults living in this world and, you know, encountering a son or or a child in your son's condition? 
Yeah. So I think the biggest thing, um, especially for parents to take away, is that when your child, son or daughter, whatever, talks to my son, like even if they point at him and they're like, what is that? Or they have questions, that is nothing to be ashamed of. Like, please do not discourage that. Like, mm-hmm. yes, of course, some days are hard. Like some days, if you ask me why my son is in a wheelchair, you might get a mom breaking down at the park. It's very possible mm-hmm. that your child is not prepared for the sh- stream of tears that will come. But most days, nine out of 10 days, please ask. I would so much rather you ask me, why is that kiddo in a wheelchair? Or the little kid be like, why are you in a chair? Because it's the easiest answer. Most of the time person goes, because my legs don't work. And that's it. Like kids are so adapting. Kids are so great. It's true. I think it's us that puts the, uh, that makes it difficult. Yeah. And a lot of times there's that don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. Like you don't ask someone why they're in a wheelchair. Like, well, he's six. Why not? Like how many kids do you see that are six in a wheelchair? You will gladly tell you. And his old wheelchair had light up wheels. And that was his favorite thing in the world. Cause he had to show that off to everyone. They'd be like, what is that? And he goes, look, and he would like wheel around and show people like it lights up. It's cool. And it's so great because I will never forget kindergarten roundup. First time you're meeting everybody going to kinder, a little kid pointed at Carson and said, what's that? Because how many kindergartners have seen a child in a wheelchair? Right. The parents immediately mortified, hit the kid's hand and were like, no, don't say anything. And I was like, no, like, please, please ask, please talk. And Carson looks and he goes, it's Carson. Oh, <laughs> he slowly was like, it's Carson. Like, obviously I'm me. Um, and so it's really great. And kids curiosity is such a great thing too, because it normalizes it. It doesn't make it this odd thing when you see it out in public, like, oh, like there's someone in a wheelchair. I wonder what happened. Like, no, it's, it's Carson. Like, or it's someone who uses a wheelchair because I don't know, they sprained their ankle last week. Like it doesn't matter. Right. There's a variety of reasons. And I love what you're saying right now, because I think that we do that to our kids when we're like, Hey, they're different basically is what we're saying. And don't bring attention to their differences. Yet, how does that end up, you know, what's the trajectory of that teaching and how does that end up showing up over time in their life? Now they're putting people in a different box because they're different. When if they could just be like, no, it's Carson. He's just like me or you, but he just like has a different deal going on, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And that that's the great thing is, and yeah, some days, I won't lie to you, some days are hard. Um, I mean, like I said, nothing prepares you for the word degenerative. So yeah. when you get that really cruddy appointment at a doctor that they say something got worse, it is rough. Like there are days where I got out of bed. I got my kids to school. I got them home. They ate normal foods. Like that is all I did today. Like I survived today and that's, that's enough. Like just surviving the days are enough, but letting people know that different is not a bad thing. Like just because a kiddo is in a wheelchair or in a special classroom or looks different. I mean, it's all 
we're all different and weird is not a bad thing. I mean, we're all, we're all quirky. We're, we all have that one weird thing. I mean, let's be real. I, I jumped on the, you know, the bandwagon for cups and I am sure lots of people out there like, that's weird. Why do you buy that cup? Like the eighth one of them. And I'm like, listen, it's my thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but you don't see me in public and you're like, oh, she has one of those cups. Like, we're just going to go over here and kind of whisper about it. Like, no, it's, we're all people. Like at the end of the day, we're all people. We all have struggles that we don't talk about in public. Like we talked about kind of before the show, when your kid is melting down middle of target, it, it's the worst. Your kid is having a meltdown. It's the end of a day. You are just so done. And maybe you're shorter than usual. Like maybe you're like, get off the floor. We're leaving right now. The mom two aisles over is going to be judging you like nobody's business. But it, it's it's a struggle. We all have them. We all go through them. And I, I agree. And just... I feel like if we were the same, like it would be so boring to be on <laughs> planet Earth. And there's, you know, if you're not... Uh, Personally, I feel like if you're not learning, you're, you're not growing. You're basically, you're stagnant. You're, you're dying basically. Right. And so how are we going to continue to grow and learn if we are not experiencing different things and learning different things from each other? I just like, I don't know why, why there's this, and it's not everybody. I have a lot of really amazing people in oh, my life course. that aren't like this, but um, you know, why is there this whole thought out, out there that you've got to fit in this box? I just, I, I never understood it. I'm 43 years old and I never will understand it. <laughs> and, and that is one of those things that luckily we're growing up in a very different time. We, we can change the way things move forward. And that yeah. is always my goal with my kiddos is, um, like I remember one day at school, they saw someone who was and they were like, oh, and they were actually getting into their car. And they're like, that kid can drive. And I was like, well, actually, and we just took that moment to talk about that they are a adult that drives, but their physical appearance is different. Mm -hmm. And they were like, all right, sounds good. Like, there was no stigma. There was no questioning from them. They were like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, they just move along. And that's how kids are. And that's what I've noticed just in talking with my son. You know, he'll he'll pick up on something that's different or something that he's never experienced or never seen before. And then we explain it and he's like, oh, cool. And just yeah, moves and, on. And it's all about how the parent explains it too. And that's why it's so important. Like I said, with Carson, especially ask the question, ask why he's in the wheelchair, talk to him, like get to know the person. And there's no dodging answers. There's no being unsure of it. Like, just, just ask, just, just ask. You know, he probably likes that too, just because he can be like, yo, let's get the elephant in the room on the table <laughs> right now. This is me and this is why. And are we cool? Let's play, you know, kind of thing. Oh, 100%. He, um, so Carson is convinced that he's a superhero. Just letting you I'm know, sure like, if you ever meet him. He is strong as Hulk and fast as Flash. Like, those are his two powers. And I'm telling you, like, if anyone ever disagrees with them, like, we're going to have to take it outside and have a moment. Like, <laughs> he's even got, he has a, um, he has a special bicycle and it's a Flash helmet. It even has like the little wings on the sides. Like, oh, I love it. And he's fast as Flash. 
I love it. They sound like the sweetest kids. I know we didn't circle back to Jackson. Um, and I really, you know, if you wanted to come back to the show, we're nearing the end. But if you wanted to come back, I would love to talk a little bit more, dive into the autism side of things too. Loved learning a lot about Carson. And my goodness, like big, big hugs, mama. You know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there are things like we don't even know the half of it. Just, I'm sure you just kind of skim the surface with things that you deal with. And, you know, I'm sure every day is a challenge, but it seems like you've got a really good handle on things and you've got some really wonderful kiddos. So kudos to you. It's parenting isn't easy in it, in and of itself, Never mind, kind of adding some, some additional factors in, right? Yeah. And, uh, it's always interesting. That is for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Are you open? And I know I'm totally putting you on the spot and it's okay if it's a no and you've just, you know, this isn't your thing, but if any of our audience members maybe thinks that their kiddo might be kind of going through the same thing and maybe they're in more of the beginning stages or if they've got any advice. I am am so sorry. Can we, can we pause just one quick second? I I hear one of my kiddos. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So if, if one of our audience members out there, or, you know, maybe a mama is kind of feeling like, well, gee, I'm in the very beginning stages of sort of this discovery, but the things that you're saying are like, you know, sounding familiar. Are you open to mamas reaching out to you for a little guidance and advice? Always. I always tell people I am an open book and I have been through this before. I'm a great resource to have in your camp. I would love to help anybody. Um, my Instagram is always the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, it's at Alyssa Tuffing. I know it's no. Like, oh my sorry. gosh, I am I am blanking on my own Instagram. Hey, I'll How look it up. I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. So you're all good. I do the same thing. Sometimes when I'm on and I'm live, I'm like, oh, what is the podcast channel name? I don't know. I'm just thinking of so many things right now. <laughs> well, that's my name. But I think I might be like Tussing Lady or something. I think that might be my actual Instagram handle, but you know. It's it's a unique enough name. No, you're not going to find other people with it. You'll find it. Exactly. Well, I will look it up and I will post it to the show notes. Um, And then you have, tell me about Kittens Cupcakes real quick. Yes. So Kittens Cupcakes actually started. um, I love baking. I mean, really, it's always a fun thing to do. And I had friends who were like, you should start doing this. And so I started doing it actually for Carson. So everything that I do, all of the profits, not just like all of the like net after thing, like all of the profits go towards Carson's charity. Um, so it's a really great thing. So anytime I'm at a bake sale or at an event, whatever cost it made to make the cupcakes, I obviously put back and then everything goes to a 5013C. Oh, can I share Carson's charity in the show notes also? Of course. Oh, he awesome. actually, he has his own website. So he has his own website, his own t-shirt, his, like, he has his own hashtag. Like, he's a big what? deal. He is famous over here. Um, awesome. Well, I will get that from you after the show. And then that way I can put that in the show notes as well. That is just so cool, Alyssa. It was amazing to meet you. And Hopefully you liked us so much. You will come back and we will have a part two and maybe dive more into Jackson's situation and dive into the autism situation, because I know that there are a lot of mamas out there that are embarking on this, are in the middle of this. 
um, and are and are sort of probably probably most likely dealing with the same things that you are dealing with. So I think it would be a really great show if you will have us again. Of course, I would love to. Awesome, awesome. All right, everybody, if you too in the audience are interested in being a guest on the show, please follow us at Mom Nation USA, and that is our handle on Instagram, Facebook, and the YouTube. Give us a like and send us a message. Let us know why you'd like to be on the show. We want to talk to everybody. So even if you're like, oh, I don't know if my topic is really, you know, show worthy. Yes, definitely send it in. We will chat with you. And Alyssa, it's really easy to just have like a conversation with me, right? This was easy, right? It is. It is. It's very simple. <laughs> yeah. See? It, is fun. it is fun. And we get to support other moms and share our story. And the more that we share, you guys know me. I say this all the time, the more that we share, the more we can support one another, the more that we can normalize our differences, right? Because that is really, really important, I feel. And my big mission is to get this information out to the mamas that need to hear it. So please help me out. Look us up. We are at Mom Nation Talk Radio on your favorite podcast platform. If you are more of the audio version type, if you could please subscribe to us, download our episodes and rate us because that will really, really help us organically get this message out to the mamas that need to hear it. All right, Alyssa, until next time. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.